0: Okay. <clears throat> there was a movie uh, entitled Facing the Giants. That was a very good movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. The title of this message is Facing the Enemy. Facing the Enemy. and Before I tell you what it's about, you may already know, but before I t- go into it, uh, I'll leave you guessing for a few minutes here. It was... Several nights ago, in the middle of the night, I was, you know, I went to bed, I I usually sleep absolutely sound, and went to bed around 9 o'clock, and out in 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was just wide awake, my mind was racing 100 miles an hour. It was probably three hours before I could even go back to sleep, and I was just, just I don't know it's just one of those nights where you're just thinking and, and they say the subconscious mind that it evaluates the day before and it must separate everything that's happened to you and it's like I think Ron Dart referred to it as a closet never cleaned out that your mind has to file away okay this thing that happened to me belongs here and this belongs there and it has to sort out your subconscious has to sort out everything that's happened to you the day before and makes it, it, the day before and to try to make sense of it all and so that's why your mind often is racing through the night and it but this this was an unusual night couldn't go back to sleep and it was strange I started thinking about the world in which we live in and I thought you know if 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 the world was a perfect place if we could let's say get the right man in the white house whoever that might be which that's sort of a joke, but you know, if we could get somehow returned back to God or something, and if we could take that crime clock and just bring the numbers down to zero, you know, instead of a rape every seven minutes and a murder every 36 seconds, if we could bring all those numbers down to zero, if we could find a cure for all the diseases that are out there, cancer and everything that's going on and if we could have a society of healthy you know happy children if we could have the world that Louis Armstrong sang about uh, what a wonderful world where he says I see trees of green and red roses too I see them bloom for me and you and I think to myself what a wonderful world I see skies of blue and clouds of white the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I will ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And, you know, I listened to, when I think about those words, I think Louis Armstrong, you know, he had to be a grateful man to write those words. It's the only way you would ever, you know, come up with words like that. But what I was struggling with is this. If the world was a perfect place... It would still be a sad place because of the enemy. The enemy, you don't have to turn there, but it's found in First Corinthians 15 and verse 26. It says this, "The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Even if you could create and that, that was sort of the dilemma I was struggling with. you know, even if you could somehow create this perfect society, it would still be a sad world until this enemy is dealt with. Death. And like I said, and that was one of the things that I was thinking about that night. People that I've known, you know, I think of my mother, I think of Linda Carroll, I think of a girl I knew in high school who was the same age as, as we are, who passed away. You know, you start seeing people you know passing away your same age and you think, wow, what's, what, what kind of life do they live? I mean, and, you know, it's just, it's sort of disturbing. But I was, I was thinking about, this may sound morbid, or, you know, I was thinking about death. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> in fact, it, it got, it was real quiet. I noticed, I was listening. The heat pump wasn't running. The gas logs weren't clicking on. And it was quiet. And I, I thought to myself, man, it's deathly quiet. And I thought, there's the word again. <laughs> I can't get away from it. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I sort of thought, Lord, did you wake me up in the middle of the night just to remind me that we're going to die and we're all going to die? You know. <laughs> but again, if it was this perfect world, you would still have this enemy to deal with. Now, I'm not talking about an obsession. I, mean, I hope this doesn't sound like an obsession with death or... Uh, although our, our society seems to have that. I mean, if you know, someone said ours is a culture of death with abortion, and uh, there are t- shows that seem to obsess on, you know, this, this person on a gurney, and they're figuring out, you know, how to... It, it almost seems like a, 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 an obsession with death. But the, what I'm talking about is the kind of uh, view that I'm talking about can be healthy. Can be healthy. Facing the enemy. Facing the enemy. If someone were to ask me, well, where would, David, where would I go to in the Bible if I were, you know, if, if, to help me to cope with the aging process, with getting old, with, with dying, uh, facing the enemy, where would you suggest I turn to in the Bible? Well, there is one book, and it is Ecclesiastes. What Solomon wrote about life in general. Now, he says this. Now, you can turn there here, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 2. And I'm going to stay in this book for the most part. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 2. And as I go along here, I'll tell you why I think this subject is important. (laughs) Probably the most important subject that you could talk about. (laughs) It says, it is better to go to the house of mourning... Than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all man, and the living will lay it to heart. You know, I went to a comedy club one time and didn't get much out of it. It was vulgar and filthy, and I thought, what a! I can't believe these people would waste their energy and time going to something like this. I didn't get anything out of it. But you know, what he's saying is, look, it's better whether you're to go to the house of feasting, forget that, the house of comedy. It's better just to stop into a funeral service, maybe if you didn't even know the person, and just walk through there, tell the people you're sorry, and look at the person in the casket. That's better than, than doing some of this other stuff. Drop back to verse 1, though. It says, a good name, uh, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1, it says, a good name is better than precious, precious ornament, and the day of death than the day of... Of one's birth. Now, <laughs> now, now, let me tell you something. If you look at that verse and you say that doesn't make a bit of sense, <laughs> either one, you're too young and you haven't come to reality and all of its, uh, of its ugliness yet. That could be one point. Uh, I reminded of a story. I think it was you, Greg, that. Or maybe it was me. Or maybe it was Angela. But my mother told the story about it was Greg kept looking. I'm going to use you, okay? Whether it was you or not, I'm going to use. And, uh, Greg was looking at this elderly person with wrinkles and all of this. Okay, it was Greg. And my mother said, you know, it, my mother could tell Greg was disturbed. And she said, well, son, said, he's just an elderly person. said, all people get like that eventually. And he just burst out crying. Just bald like a baby <laughs> OK, the day of death is better than one's birth. now, two, it could be you're living in a fantasy land. Now, I have found when it comes to the subject of death a lot of people fit into this area they are li- they are avoiding that whole thought process concept like the plague, and they just it's not a, it's a fantasy land I. At the feast this year, I, in the Fuse program, I was, uh, it was an elderly woman in there. And she was, you could tell, she couldn't, you know, she hurt when she moved. And, and I, I, said, uh, I said, yeah, I, said, I was listening to her story. And I said, yeah, I said, getting old isn't much fun, is it? And, and, and she said, yeah. And, and it was another woman behind her in her 50s. And she said, oh, could I say something? I said, well, sure you can say something. Uh, well, I just, you know, what you just said, uh, you know, I used to sort of think that, and now I just, uh, I, I think our, our elder it can be the best time of our life, and, you know, you get old, and it doesn't have to be so bad, and this, that, and other thing, and just on and on and on and on, and you, and you realize, you know, there is a denial process going on in people's lives. Uh, I went to a CHIP program, it was a seven-day Adventist church, and boy, they stressed diet big time, and, and, um, they were just, yeah, and that's a good thing, you know, being healthy. That most of them are vegetarians, and they don't, they don't eat meat. I disagree with that. And, you know, they st- stress exercising, walking a lot, and I'm all for that. But they just kept stressing and stressing, you know. And I told Teresa one evening, I said, after we left the CHIP program, I said, you know, regardless of how healthy you choose to be, you're still going to die. That does not eliminate that process, and you know even from a religious organization, it was almost like, well, no, we're just, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to get anyway, anyway. <laughs> Better uh, the day of death than one's birth. Third thing is you can just you, you may maybe refuse to refuse to face the enemy is another thing that we sometimes we just refuse to face that enemy. Now, I think one of the things that Solomon was talking about when he, when he talks about the day of death better than one's birth is what I want to mention here, the power of leaving a legacy, okay? The power of leaving a legacy because, you know, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5, it, it it warns us, it says, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead don't know anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. For the most part, with the exception of your family, you know, 50 years from now, you know, people are, the people of the world are not going to be gathered around talking about, oh boy, that anvil, she was really, you know, a wonderful... They're just not going to be doing that for the most part. Uh, unless you leave a legacy. Unless you leave a legacy. Now, leaving a legacy is often something we don't even think about until it's too late. It's really way up there in age, and we think, well, maybe I should donate something to, you know, (laughs) before I kick the bucket. Uh, I'm talking about passing on something to generations that will come after you. Leaving, in a way, a legacy is like, I'll use the example of music. You know, music, to me, a lot of music is, has a like immortality quality about it because it, after the person is dead and gone, you can still crank up that old CD and listen to it, and it, it, it moves us, it, it impacts us, it has a, makes us feel a certain way. There, there, there's something about music that there's an immortality about it. I think when I talk about leaving a legacy, something that lives on, I think of Ron and Allie Dart who in their 60s, I think it was in their 60s, started CEM. You know, that's, that's, that's sort of old to start something. And I think of all of the programs that were recorded, all of the messages, had they not started CEM, there would have been no legacy to, to live on. But because they did, they had something that lives on and that can impact people's lives. So the day of death, you know, can, better than the, the day of one's birth, pa- I'm talking about passing on to the generation something of value, something of value. Now, even sometimes when I watch YouTube videos, I was working on a car and I downloaded a YouTube on how to change the head gasket on a car. And I thought, man, that took a lot of work for this guy to do this because this is like a 10 hour ordeal. And each you know, section of the manifold, you take it off, the head gasket, you know, this, this gasket, that, these bolts, that. To take a recorder and record all of that and then to show me how to do it took a lot of work. But you know, I thought in a way, that's leaving something behind. 100 years from, well maybe not, but I guess the car will be outdated by then. But you know, 50 years from now, you can still download that, that video and see even though the person may be dead, how to do that. It's a powerful concept, it's a powerful concept. And the activate button concerning your legacy, it's really not pushed until the day you die. Once you die, you hit that, you push that activate button on your legacy. I want you to think about that. We need to think about this. Often things like businesses, there's no guarantee a business will continue on. Unless you are in order right now, setting that up, and when I die, this person and this person, and that person will be president, and this person will take over, and that, 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 that. And you're delegating all that stuff out, and there's no guarantee that they will pass it on to the next generation. None, none whatsoever. So that would take a lot of work to, to, for a business to continue on as a legacy. Another way of thinking about legacy is this. What are, to get you thinking what are your principles what are your principles and how might you pass your principles on to the next generation you really want to start thinking about legacy what are your principles and how might you pass that on to the next generation and you know to to come to the end of one's life and think oh i wish i had done something you know we need to think about this we need to think about this now I want to look at Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Now, I know this is a bit negative, but it's in the Bible. We need to read this. It's in the Bible. It's about life. It's about death. It's about, yes, death. (laughs) I'm reading from the contemporary English version. It reads a little bit easier for me. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. It says, keep your creator in mind while you are young. Young people, listen to me. Looking back there at some young people. Some. Okay. Oh, I hear me. Young, young at heart, whatever. Okay. All right. Oh, keep your creator in mind while you are young. In years to come, you will be burdened down with troubles and say, I don't enjoy life anymore. You know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Someday the light of the sun and the moon and the stars will all seem dim to you. Rain clouds will remain over your head. Your body will grow feeble. Your teeth will decay. And your eyesight will fail. The noisy grinding of grain will be shut out by your deaf ears. But even the song of a bird will keep you awake. You ever have something at night that just keeps you awake? Keeps you awake, you know. You, well, yeah. Ronnie had the what was that hummingbird or what, what was that thing? A <laughs> <laughs> wheel, yeah. Kept him awake all night. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be afraid to climb up a hill or walk down a road. Your hair will turn as white as an almond blossom. You will feel lifeless. <laughs> I heard, an Amen. There. Uh, <laughs> You know, they may die for that, Nancy. <laughs> you will feel lifeless and drag along like an old grasshopper. We each go to our eternal home, and the streets are filled with those who mourn. You know, the streets are filled with those who mourn. You know, sometimes, I guess, and I'm sure this is true, that as you get older, you, rigor- you realize that all of your friends are dying off very quickly. You know. Yeah. Uh, the silver cord snaps, the golden bow breaks, the uh, bowl breaks, the water picture, picture is smashed, and the pulley at the well is shattered. So our bodies return to the earth, and the life giving breath returns to God. You know, I told you that instant where at the, I think, that, that lady that came up to me and said, well, I just don't think, you know, my, my, you know, I got a different view about, you know, growing old. I should have said, have you ever read Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, what Solomon said about the aging process? You need to read that. This, this, this is something that's important. Now, recently I uh, was talking with uh, Ronnie's mother, uh, Mrs. Nolan, and, you know, she, her mind is in great condition. But her body is just, it's feeble. She can't hardly move around, and it hurts to move around. And she said, uh, she said, she said to me, and I said, oh, I'll have to write that one down. I'll remember that one. She said, you better enjoy life when you're young, because you're not going to enjoy it when you're old. <laughs> and, you know, they say it takes a strong person to face the aging process or getting old. And I, I think about what she said. And I thought, you know, that collaborates with what Solomon said here. He said in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, he says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, no device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. And, I, and, I, and you know, here's this guy full of wisdom who talks about, in, verse, in chapter 12, getting old and the, and the aging process. But then earlier, he says, now, while you can, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might right now better do it now while you can better do it now while you got the strength better do it now while you got the will better do it now while you got the desire there was a man in the bible who was told get your house in order you're going to die now getting our house in order that could mean a lot of things get your life in order before you kick the bucket you know that, that But I I was just thinking from a a literal perspective, get your house in order. You know, if you see something that needs to be done and you can still do it, you better do it now. Don't say, well, when I retire and when I quit work and when I do this or that, I'll get around to doing it. I'll get around to it. You know, that is something you can actually give people. It's a round piece of wood and on the front of it, it says "A round to it. You need to hand people that when they say, I'll get around to it one day. Here's your round to it. You need to do it now while you can. And this has sort of given me extra encouragement because I used to, you know, I do things around the house and sometimes I'd feel guilty. But I started thinking, you know, if you can do it, you better do it now while you can. Oh, boy. And also, <laughs> prepare your legacy while you can. I told Teresa, and she got mad at me, but I said, I've got 10 good years to do what I want to do with, is that really in the Bible? I don't want to be up here with a walking cane. Is that really in the Bible? And then just fall over. You know, now, look, the aging process, we can't help it. And I'm not picking on getting old, people getting old. But I'm just saying, sometimes you see people who, it's almost, you need to tell them, it's time to retire. It's time to step aside. But, you know, there's a time for that. You can't just keep at it. And sometimes we get a little too old to keep at it. But there's a limited time when you can do, you know, with the vigor and the the joy and the energy to do the things you need to do. So, okay, facing the enemy. Several points I want to go through here. And, you know, I have on my mailing list, I sometimes realize I have people who are, I realize our older people. And so I sort of built a sermon for them, uh, at least wanted to. Uh, number one, accept your enemy. Accept your enemy. And, you know, death will win. <laughs> it, 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 it's, going to, it, it's going to be the winner temporarily here. Uh, now, I have found for me, it's nearly impossible for me to give up, though, I, will, I don't give up very easily. I do things, and if it, the more challenges that come my way, the more I'm determined to, to make it work. <laughs> and you think about, okay, this is a challenge, though, that you're not going to win out on. And I heard a, a touching story one time about a father and a son. His father was dying in the hospital. And his son told him he was dying of cancer or something. And his son said, Dad, it's okay to give up. Because he was so, he was trying to hold on and hold on. It's okay to give up, and and then after that, his father passed on. But that's going to be tough for me to give up. I, I know uh, because it's just my, the way I am. I, I don't give up very easily. Number two is prayer in facing the enemy. Pray. I forget who said this, but to pray for when that time comes, the ability to gracefully. It should at least be in our mind. You know, just just gra- you read about people in the Bible. They get in their bed, they pull the covers up, and that's it. <laughs> that's the way to go, by the way, <laughs> to die. You know, on your, your lazy boy or whatever. Just go to sleep or whatever. That that's pray that God will give you the grace to to die gracefully. Uh, third, and I think a lot of older people need to know this: accept your limitations. You know, when I was there are things at my age I can't do like I used to. I used to get on the, le- on the roof with my pole saw and re- get on the edge and reach out and cut limbs. you know. And I can't do that when I'm looking down 30 feet in the air on the edge. I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry, I just can't. It's a limitation that I have now. But that's all of the process here. Accept your limitations. As we age, we need to learn to accept those limitations. You know, it may be... You know, hearing aids. <laughs> it may be a walking cane. Yeah, yeah. And often what keeps us from doing, doing, often it's pride that keeps us from doing some of these things. You know, you can just be too proud to, to get that thing, additional help that you need. Uh, and, and another thing, ask for help when the time comes. You Now, there again, I never ask for help. Never. Uh, and it's okay not to ask for help if you don't need it. But you know, I know Tim was talking about uh, the veterans, I forget, administration or something, that they actually offer help free. They'll come out and do things for you if you ask them to. They'll build something for you. They'll build you a, you know, a bathroom that's more easier to, 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 to get into and all that. They'll do a lot of this stuff. They'll come out and help vets You know, to be able to ask for this stuff. I think a lot of times people say, I don't want to trouble anyone. I can hear my mother saying that. I don't want to trouble anyone. But as a younger, a younger person, I know this older person can't do the things you used to be able to do. So ask with confidence. <laughs> I need this. I don't, if someone will ask me to do something, I will bend over backwards to do it. But if it's insinuations, if you're hinting innuendos, I don't I'm too dumb to figure them out. I mean, I don't... Like, what was that person saying? I don't get it. But if a person just comes up and says, hey, will you help me do this? I'll bend over backwards to help them. You know, just, just ask. Ask boldly. Um, four, I think, uh, you know, at death, at, really, you have conquered death when you draw your last breath. Now, I'm not talking about heavenly retirement. We all understand that when you die... You might be in a grave uh, 10, 100, 1,000 years. But the next thing you're going to know, you're coming up in that resurrection and you are given immortality. You're totally oblivious to the passage of time. Even though Paul, has been dead for 2,000 years, the next thing he knows, he's going to be coming up in that, you know, given immortality. So when you think about it, when you draw your last breath, you have... You know, you have conquered death in a sense. The Christian life consists of putting to death many things. If you, through the Spirit, do mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Mortify, put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection. All these things we got to put to death. So instead of looking at death as defeat... It might be the biggest win of your life if you have the Spirit of God. It is the biggest win of your life if you have the Spirit of God. So the day of death better than the day of one's birth. Those who have died in Christ are the greatest winners of all. The day of death better than one's birth. One more point I want to make about that and I'll close out. Isaiah 57 and verse 1 speaks to this issue. Of why that might be true. Isaiah 57 and verse 1. It says, The righteous perish, and no man lays it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. That is such a powerful concept. Righteous people perish. You know, there's a a saying, only the good die young. Uh, Merciful men are taken away. And no one seems to consider that the righteous is taken away from the evil that is coming. Now, I can tell you something. Bad times are coming. The evil times are coming. We're on the brink as a nation of giving up our freedom for a socialistic communist form of of government. How have we come to that? And where is the voice of the church? Most churches don't even talk about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about right. I'm talking about the fact that we are on the brink of giving up the thing that Christ died for, our freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from anything, you know, for a socialistic communist government. Where is the voice of the church? Bottom line is you can't be a Christian and a socialist. You can't be a Christian and a communist. You can't be a Christian and hold the Muslim faith. You can't be a Christian and pro-choice. You can't be a Christian and support gay marriage. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I, I, I see church signs. I'm always looking at church signs. And I'm thinking, there's a recent church sign. Love Jesus. I'm thinking... Where is the voice of the church as we're about to give up our freedom? It's nothing out there. They won't. won't, I don't know. It's it's insanity. 450,000 churches in America, 650,000 preachers, 42,000 bickering denominations. Where is the voice of the church? The voice of the church. I would say if, now, okay, I'm going to talk politics here. If Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton gets in, I think God has washed his hands of America and just said, that's it. You, you have it. You want your socialistic communist government? Have at it. It's a sick world. you know. How have we come to that? And where are the churches? Where are the churches? The righteous perish and no man lays it to heart and merciful men are taken away, and none considers that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Well, in a way, these people who have died in Christ are truly the winners, truly the winners.